Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow patriots, forgotten conservatives, and taxpayers to the one and only independent conservative talk show. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, here at The Conservative Review for a new and exciting week, December 16th, Monday. As of tonight, it will be the 246th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. Boy, do we need a tea party in this country. Um, We begin a new week. What happens every time we begin a new week here? Well, for those of us who got into politics to actually make a difference, each week brings with it an enormity of opportunities. Each week that Donald Trump is president and controls all of the agencies and the departments, that brings with it a set of opportunities on an array of civilization-defining issues, our, our sovereignty, our security, our civil society, um, our, our free markets. And every day that Republicans control the Senate is an opportunity they could join with him. As we come to this last week before Christmas, which often is uh, full of Christmas presents for the left and full of lumps of coal for the rest of us law-abiding American taxpayers and citizens, we have the budget bill where there is a huge opportunity here. And it intersects with so many issues we've been talking about the last number of days on refugees, on bringing in foreign visas, on arming our soldiers on bases, on jailbreak, on sanctuary cities, endless numbers of criminal aliens in this country. I want to I put this all together and to demonstrate how we have so many opportunities to make that consummate difference on a week like this in the states, in um, in the courts, in, in the executive branch, and then certainly with this budget bill. Let me just say before I start that the most important thing that the White House could do to make a difference, which is very achievable, achievable very simple, is to simply say, I have a lot of issues with this final omnibus bill. It is funding all of the left-wing bureaucracies, increasing spending, but it's not addressing immigration enforcement and security properly. And it's not addressing sanctuary cities. I'm going to get to that today. We have an emergency with neo-Confederate states that are openly rebelling against the supremacy clause of the United States Constitution over an issue that everyone agrees the federal government controls, that is immigration. And therefore, you don't have to cause the government shutdown. Nobody has an appetite for that at this point. All you could do is say, I will sign a clean continuing resolution for six weeks. Bring it over Christmas, bring it over New Year's, and then start building the case. This should have been done already, but we haven't built the case because it's been all impeachment all the time. McConnell should summarily dismiss the charges, just hold a vote to dismiss instead of a whole trial come back on January and work on sanctuary cities and several other issues that are 80-20 winning issues and build the case for a massive budget fight the next deadline. But for now, the most achievable thing is to get the president to not support an omnibus bill, to at least just support a clean and continuing resolution. And that is something you guys could do to call the White House, look up their number, very easy to find, and demand, demand, um, no omnibus. The president promised twice before, I will never sign another one, and he's gone back on that twice. 
And when you're thinking today, when I when I look at everything going on, I honestly don't know how to find the time to cover everything. So I encourage you to look at my Twitter feed at RM Conservative. All the issues I won't have time to cover either at length on the show or through a more in-depth column. Look at my Twitter feed because these are the amount of issues that matter to our civilization that the left continues to win by hook or by crook. Whether it's in the states, whether it's in the courts, whether it's Trump's own appointees promoting a left-wing agenda. While we're all distracted with impeachment. This week should be the crescendo of a year's worth of policy fights where we have a dug-in movement fighting for the policy outcomes and strategies and all these issues. Instead, we don't have a movement on a single issue. And boy, are there so many critical issues going on because they're all distracted with the crescendo of the impeachment vote, which, which is just meaningless. We need, indeed, we, 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 we need another Boston Tea Party. Think about December 16th, 1773, 246 years ago, when a relatively small group of people had enough and they protested the concept of taxation without, with, without representation. Now, the irony is the actual parliamentary act that they were um, protesting was actually a tax cut. It was a tax cut for the East India Corporation, but it was kind of like a crony capitalism that had a very specific agenda that was tied towards milking the columnists, even though they actually benefited from that specific thing. Ironically, it wasn't even about taxes. It was about self-governance, that we need to govern ourselves. Here we are. Here we are. 246 years later. And we have something much more severe than taxation without representation. We have social transformation without representation. How our government is putting our citizenry last, our security last, our prerogatives last, bringing in endless foreign nationals from the Middle East, Chinese espionage, we're going to get to that. We have states that cannot self-govern even to deal with the street vagrancy and, and homelessness. We're going to get to that if we don't have time tomorrow. A Supreme Court siding with the Ninth Circuit, the conservative Supreme Court, siding with them, saying that the city of Boise and other cities can't move people along and cannot ban encampment because there's evidently a constitutional right in their view to have public encampment on our streets. States can't deal with election law. They can't deal with internal order, as Madison said, of public order laws, housing, education, agriculture, life, marriage. But when it comes to thwarting the federal sovereignty and harboring illegal aliens, suddenly they're so powerful and they're getting away with it. They're getting away with it. We need a Tea Party. But we're not having a Tea Party. Do you know why we're not having a Tea Party? Jesse Kelly, one of the, one of the few sharp minds on Twitter that, that's actually worth following, um, is a former Marine who ran for Senate in uh, Arizona or House. Good guy. Take a look at this tweet he put out right before I'm, I recorded this show that kind of sets the table here. Republicans in power is the best thing for the Democrat agenda. 
The leftists still get what they want, just slower, and it doesn't scare the public. When Democrats take power, they move too fast and freak people out like an uncontrolled child with too much ice cream. And that's the perfect example. But I would argue it's worse than that. They're not doing it slowly. They're doing it quickly in the courts and the states. And, and again, a little bit, a lot with Congress and the spending and the Trump administration. So that's that. You know, that is just the embodiment of what we're talking about here. So let's go through one by one all the things that we are distracted with and the left is winning. So Pensacola happened a week ago, a little bit more than a week ago. It's as if it never happened. Could you imagine? I mean, you want to talk about an impeachable offense, foreign influence on our soil? Let's talk about foreign influence today. Foreign influence of our most sensitive military secrets, our, our universities and technical fields from the Chinese immigrants. Not all of them, but I mean the ones where the Chinese intelligence officials are getting their spies in. And then, of course, driver's licenses for illegal aliens in New York starting today. Where they will have a seamless transition into voting in our, our, our own elections. So remember, we said the president ran on two ironclad things. Number one, shutting off visas from the Middle East. Number two, arming our soldiers on there are our own naval bases, our own military bases. Here we are three years into the administration. Both of those things have not happened. And then we have Pensacola, where we bring in, or what becomes exposed as a program that people didn't know about, where we bring in hundreds of Saudis to train on our naval bases. And they wind up getting guns because gun control never works. Not for bad guys. But good guys on our own bases don't have guns to the point where sheriff's deputies had to shoot the guy on a federal military installation. And here we are, a week later. Not only is the president not talking about it, not promising to fulfill um, those promises, take yes for an answer from this Pensacola shooting. We have Secretary of Defense Mark Esper saying we need more of this. We need more of this. On Friday, he gave a speech before the Council on Foreign Relations. If you remember, that's the globalist entity that Trump was supposed to supplant. And here, his own Secretary of Defense, three years into this administration, where he had plenty of time to get someone who's better, he promised, I want to increase that, meaning this foreign military training program, by 50% over the next five years, according to the Military Times. 50%. He's calling for an increase. This is after Pensacola. This is after last week the Washington Post published the Afghanistan papers showing the fraud and perfidy of the Afghan war in general and this training of this Afghani military, which they come to our soil in particular. And he says, programs like these help us develop closer relationships with valued partners around the world while also introducing them to America. Yeah, we introduced them to America, all right. I have asked the department to find ways to increase, to increase PME participation. That's the you know, professional military education program. And as we saw last week on Tuesday, at the House Armed Services Committee hearing, 
Congressman Matt Gates, who represents Pensacola, he asked Esper point blank, could you tell me that you are shutting off new applicants from Saudi Arabia? And he says, I, I, I can't um, answer in the affirmative now. I'll get back to you on that. I mean, who, who needs Trump? I mean, Mark Esper is the type of guy who could easily, easily be Secretary of Defense under Joe Biden. I mean, this is happening now. And, and these are all things. It's like, oh, the courts or Congress. You know, it's not even the courts or Congress. Trump could do this unilaterally. He could shut it off and he could arm our soldiers and military bases. Dude, if you're going to increase by 50% the number of foreign nationals from the most volatile countries, either enemy governments or if the government's not an enemy, the people are very volatile and violent. If you're going to do that, can you at least arm our own soldiers when you're bringing in the crap? But no. What did I ask last, last week? I asked the following question. I posed to you the question that if we are not even properly vetting jihad from those who are going through the most sensitive military training on our bases, what does that say for the 40,000 Saudis a year who come in to study technical fields, often engineering and science, by the way, in civilian universities? What about the 150,000 likely Muslim foreign students we bring in a year, about 150, 170,000 green cards, immigrant visas we bring them in on from these very same countries. What about the 340,000 Chinese students every year who are brought in when we know every day we catch espionage? We know that this is, I mean, it's all open source. Google it. It's everywhere. Every country talks about it. Um, it's not just conservatives. I mean, CNN has good, some good articles on it where this is their modus operandi to bring in spies. This is how they are taking our intellectual property. And yet, what happens? Just over the weekend, Friday, in New Mexico, this dude, um, what's his name? Al-Qahtani. Hassan Al-Qahtani came in four years ago on a F1 visa student visa from Saudi Arabia. He, was, he studied engineering at the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque. He was arrested by the FBI on weapons charges. He was caught with a 9mm Cobra um, after a tip was um, sent into the counterterrorism center that this guy um, was putting together, quote, a list of people he, who he wants to kill before he leaves the U.S., and that included some of the professors there at the university, and that he illegally possessed a gun, right? Because being here on a non-immigrant visa, he was prohibited from owning a gun. So they raided his apartment, and they found the gun and ammunition. So for now, they've only arrested him on weapons charges. It's not clear what happened with that plot. Is there terrorism involved? But the point is this. We see from Al-Shamrani, the Pensacola shooter, that he had a massive... Uh, paper trail on Twitter retweeting and following uh, these clerics calling for jihad against America. And we brought him in to study and train on a military installation. So how many of the 3 million people we've brought in on immigrant visas or 2.3 million people we brought in on immigrant visas from the Middle East, how many more of the one and a half, two million we brought in on foreign student visas 
have social media like this or have violent problems like this? How many caseworkers do we have at USCIS and State Department? I don't know, but not more than a few thousand. How in the world do you vet that? And yet here we are. This is the joke of gun control. This is the joke of gun control. All of the people, including foreign nationals who are banned from owning a gun, they get it. The only thing you could do as a government, you're never going to stop people from getting guns in this era. Not people who want to do harm with them. Law-abiding citizens won't get them if you ban them from getting them. But the job of government is threefold vis-a-vis this issue. Keep domestic bad guys behind bars. Keep foreign bad guys out of the country. And keep guns in the hands of good guys. Our government, even under Trump, under this administration, is failing on all three accounts. We have more and more gun control. We have more and more foreign nationals being brought in that are a danger to this country. And more and more people being let out of jail, including the bill that Trump himself signed, the First Step Act. You want to talk about an impeachable offense, this administration's response to Pensacola, there's your foreign influence. I'm sorry. I mean, what, what am I supposed to do here? Lie to you? And it's worse than that. What also happened over the weekend, this evidently happened a few months ago, but the New York Times broke the news on Sunday. Two Chinese diplomats were expelled from the country after they managed to breach a special operations military base in Norfolk, Virginia. That's where SEAL Team 6, among other sensitive uh, counter-intel units, are. And they believe at least one of them was an intelligence officer for China. So even the diplomats, you know, we we couldn't vet properly. Could you imagine just these no-name, Wang Guang, whatever? I mean, and, and I'm not making fun out of Chinese. I'm just saying... It's so foreign to our caseworkers. They're going to have a very difficult time vetting out the who and what, the names, the backgrounds, especially when the Chinese are actively trying to finagle their way in and they're, they're, go- they're going to be smart about who they bring in. 340000 a year. 340000 a year. Think about everything going on. Put it all together. That's what we like to do in this show. We put it all together. Because too many people get caught up with the tweet of the day and the news of the day, and and they're fighting a micro battle at the time. They think we're winning. They don't look at broad, broad, broad trends. Broad trends that are taking place in this country all over the place. And that is essentially, essentially, (laughs) 3.3 million at a minimum criminal aliens remain in this country. Even ones that ICE already targeted for removal still remain at large, unsupervised, undetained in our cities. They're now getting all sorts of benefits from all the blue states. Do you understand the the national security implications of that? The criminal, I mean, the, the MS-13, the transnational gangs, cartels. And then there is an element of of foreign nationals that are also Islamic or Chinese, not just Hispanic, and that brings a whole other set of problems with it. Then we have, we're opening the jail doors of domestic criminals. Then we're bringing in 
hundreds of thousands every year on immigrant and non-immigrant visas from the Middle East. And then we're bringing in hundreds of thousands every year, about 80,000 green cards and 340,000 student visas from China, where the people certainly aren't all bad. I don't have anything against them, but the government is, is at war with us. You know, the Senate Homeland Security Subcommittee headed by um, Ohio Senator uh, Rob Portman, they put out a report last month that found that foreign-born researchers working for U.S. agencies were secretly on China's payroll, signing side agreements to send sensitive research to that country as part of a recruitment operation called the Thousand Talents Plan. 10,000 Chinese nationals in 2018 conducted research in the Department of Energy's national labs. And one even had colleagues write him letters of recommendation to the Communist Party-run recruitment program. Agencies like the NIH do not even track attempted foreign influence. The Department of State denies only 5% of suspicious visas and the FBI shut down a key program. These are just some headlines. Daily Caller lays it out. A couple others wrote about it. I'm, I've been meaning to write about this, but I haven't had time. This report is insane. It's a bipartisan report. There's still a couple of good things that Congress does once in a while, at least you know, research-wise, and this is one of them. How do we go on like this? I mean... It's not like, oh, Daniel, it's far flung, maybe one time. No, I mean, we see the indictments in federal court every week. 10,000 Chinese nationals are conducting research just in the Department of Energy's national labs. Then you have the NIH, you have all sorts of other things. And look, there's a lot of very smart Chinese, and some of them are great patriots and have done good work. But we have no way of vetting them, and we know that a certain amount are intelligence officers. Recruited, and as I've noted before, even ones that aren't, but you know, you could have a really good Chinese dude. Let's say this guy's name is John Chang. He hates the Chinese communists. He's like, I'm done with this. I'm moving to America. I love America. And he comes here. But guess what? Comes, studies a very technical field, gets involved in a profession where he'll um, maybe work for a government, work for a defense contractor. And the Chinese are tracking him. They're very well aware of it. And they give him a call and say, hey, Mr. Chang, you know, I'm glad you're enjoying your stay in America, but, um, you know, you still have family left in uh, China, right? We know where they live. So um, in that vein, here's what you're going to be doing for us. That has happened before. And friends, this is why we have never taken in immigrants from countries where we had hostile relations with historically, because that was always going to be the easiest conduit for them to supplant you. Talk about foreign influence. I mean, that's it. Not that they'll all be like that. And some of them will be very patriotic and, you know, we'll switch sides. And, but, but inevitably, you're going to have problems with, with, with some or a lot of them. That's certainly the case with the Islamists that have this religious fervor. It's not just a national, like a national um, loyalty it's, it's just the jihadist proclivities. That's really a problem. But even from China, where they're, you know, often, you know, I would say the majority, it's not, you know, they're not religious. They come here and they're they're done with China. They're, you know, and, and they're, they're good. For the most part, Chinese are very productive 
Chinese immigrants are good people, but <laughs> folks, we have a hell of a lot of immigration from there. 80,000 a year immigrant visas, 340,000 a year foreign students. <laughs> I mean, it, it just, if just 1% have, um, you know, are a threat of espionage and, and stealing intellectual property, you can't recover from that. But this is where we are. No progress. We're sliding backwards. Even under the Trump administration, nothing is being done. But what's the military focused on? None of this. Esper. He wants more, more visas. Marine, this is from the Washington Times. Marine, Marine Corps eyes integrated, gender integrated basic training. Oh, that that's what this is their priority. I mean, this is how broken these people are. The push to eliminate all gender segregation and Marine Corps camps has more momentum than ever. But analysts and military insiders say there remain major real world physical roadblocks to co-ed basic training. Yeah, no kidding. I, 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 I'm at a loss of words. Anyway, let's move on. What else are they focused on? At the Army-Navy football game, they're claiming that they saw on camera some of the military attendees made what they believe is the white power sign. It's something like this. I never heard of it before. It's a white power sign. And they're investigating it. So, so they're, they're on the case. Pensacola didn't happen. No shutting off Saudi visas. No arming our military. No refocusing our mission from Afghanistan in light of all the corruption that came out. No dealing with the border, dealing with the cartels, dealing with the Chinese espionage. Social engineering, transgenderism, co-ed this, co-ed that, female this, female that, women in, women Navy seal this. And, um, oh, there's racism in the military. Again, it's not that Trump directly caused this, but it's continuing and getting worse under him. We're not winning. This is a continuation of Friday's blockbuster show, but I mean, it needs to be said. Where is our Tea Party? Where is our Tea Party? So that's that. We have all these cases here, but let's move on. Let's move on. I want to show you a video here posted by a New York One reporter on Twitter showing an endless line at the DMV in New York of illegals signing up to get a driver's license. New York announced, starting to, I mean, they passed this a little while ago, but it's enacted today, where they are allowing all illegal aliens, irrespective of their criminal history, to get a driver's license. And then they bar state and county officials from cooperating with ICE and CBP, sharing any data, which they do all the time. And tipping off, requiring that if if ICE pings any record, the illegals get tipped off that ICE is looking for them. This, my friends, is a state in rebellion. 8 U.S.C. 1324 bars any state from encouraging, inducing illegal immigration, shielding from detection. 1373 bars them from um, prohibiting the transfer of, of information back and forth from federal immigration officials and state 
and local law enforcement or governmental uh, employees. You have the 1986 immigration law, which prohibits the employment of illegal aliens. That was the term of agreement for amnesty, barring future employment. And they openly said that this driver's license law is so that they can go to work. It is 100% null and void. Yet somehow, suddenly states are so strong. They're crushed on all the internal order powers that Madison said they have. But when it comes to external order, remember, this of all issues is external. It belongs to, it belongs to the whole of the union. Someone who trespasses America, they have to traverse the federal sovereignty of the whole of the union before they come to New York. So New York has no right to say, hey, I'm going to harbor these people because you're also violating federal sovereignty. Friends, this is as old as our founding. I say this all the time. Madison and many others said that one of the clear defects that they called in the Articles of Confederation was that one state was able to bring people in on looser conditions and then then they're free to go anywhere they want and we we see that because once you have a driver's license then you're free to drive anywhere we have reciprocity and you can move anywhere you want you have no right to do that as a state and the federal government needs to come in and if it requires bringing in the national guard they should bring the national guard but there's other things they can do first but i first want to just say this law invites them to come in and bring in for identification purposes foreign documents. This is the first time I believe this has ever been done. There's no requirement to even show any domestic identification. Like not even like a college thing. Consular cards, foreign birth certificates, any, any foreign document is accepted. So it's not just for immigration, it's for terrorism, it's for other security issues. The reason why states honor each other's driver's licenses is because there's federal standards from the Real ID Act. And they know that there's going to be a certain minimum. Here, I mean, they could come to New York and get anything they want and then go anywhere. They have no right to do this. I don't want to hear this nonsense of state powers. We're not for states' rights. First of all, it's individual rights. We're for the proper role of each one. But what's a state issue has been given to the feds. What's a fed issue has been given to the states. Madison said. In. Uh, this is Federalist um, 42. He explained. The very improper power would still be retained by each state. He was talking about under the Articles of Confederation. If we wouldn't have the feds have it. Of naturalizing aliens in every other state. And one state residence for a short term state be preposterously rendered paramount to the law of another within the jurisdiction of the other. That was the problem. Because states controlled, but it was still a federal union called America that once you come to one, you can come to the other. We owe it to mere casualty that very serious embarrassments on the subject have been Heathrow escaped. But the laws of several states, certain descriptions. By the laws of several states, certain descriptions of aliens who had rendered themselves obnoxious were laid under interdicts inconsistent not only with the rights of citizenship, but with the privileges of residence. What would have, what would have been the consequence if such persons by residence or otherwise had acquired the character of citizens under the laws of another state and then asserted their rights as such 
both to residents and citizenship within the state prescribing them. And that's why I said this Constitution is going to solve that. Here we are, 230 years later. Suddenly, states could rule us. And, and friends, that is another form of social transformation without representation. Don't give me the states' rights, because states don't have power over this. But the Trump administration is like, oh, what can I do? What can I do? I, I, I want you guys to think about this thought for a moment. Very profound thought. Democrats wanted power because they wanted amnesty for illegals. Trump promised not only to not give amnesty, not only to abolish Obama's amnesties on day one, which to this day he has not done. DACA is still alive. But he promised to start removing these aliens, at least the 3.3 million criminal aliens under, on, on the current docket. But then we had sanctuary states rise, doubled over on his watch, where basically almost any place where you have a meaningful number of illegal aliens, there is a sanctuary. In other words, roughly 80% of illegal aliens live in some degree of a sanctuary state or city. So, my friends, we have amnesty. We have de facto amnesty under Trump. I know it's not his fault. But states are doing it. In other words, the left still wins. If they can't do it in Congress, they do it in the states. If they can't do it there, they do it in the courts. And they'll conflict each other in each one. What's a state power? You know, the states are so strong when it comes to immigration, but they're weak when it comes to other things. In other words, Republican states, they'll get the courts to veto what they do. Democrat states, they'll, the courts will never veto. The courts actually threw out the lawsuit against their, uh, their driver's license bill. And they get what they want. But for the Trump administration just to say, oh, there's nothing I can do, it's a sanctuary, that's nonsense. We have a budget bill right now. The president should refuse to sign the budget bill that's funding this. How could you give the state of New York highway funding when they are putting the most dangerous, most prone population to drunk driving out on the roads in large numbers, not just in New York, they can go to any state now. They should not get, get transportation funding. It should be cut off. That's how to get them. That's number one. Number two, DOJ should send out a letter to every county DMV and say, if you follow through with this and you refuse to cooperate with us on, on information, you are in violation of AUSC 1373 and 1324. You will be subject to prosecution. That's a way to force internal strife. And number three, Republican states like Florida, where they have full control, they should pass a law refusing to recognize New York driver's licenses until this is rescinded. It's that simple. But we don't fight. We don't push. Just like we're not pushing with refugee resettlement as one Republican county after another, one Republican state after another is agreeing to refugee resettlement. Bill Lee, that schmuck um, Republican from Tennessee, who said we can't open the jail doors quickly enough, is flirting with refugee resettlement now. The show continues. The Democrats march on. Even with Trump in control. And, and, and what's worse, what's worse, is that, as Jesse Kelly said, because he is president, we're all like numb, and we're all like 
oh, we're in control. We just have to prevent the Democrats from beating him in November. Well, th they're beating us every day. Mark Esper, the defense secretary, is implementing Obama's agenda at the Defense Department. Pompeo is continuing the garbage at state. Chad Wolf, H-1B visa lobbyist, is the head of DHS. Gun-free zones in, in, on, on our bases continues. Mass Chinese espionage migration and mass Middle East migration continues. But the sanctuary city issue is getting worse. I mean, they should call out the National Guard. You can't do that. People forget, I mean, Article 1, Section 9, the first clause of the Constitution says that the Congress cannot have the power to prohibit migration until after 1808. And the reason was because migration meant the slave trade, basically, even if, it, if the term itself didn't mean, but it was, it was coming from that, the slave trade. So it was a very sensitive issue. That was the deal they struck. But after 1808, implicit in that is that Congress has full control over it. So Congress exercised that constitutionally given power. Meaning, you can't tell me, oh, Daniel, you're right. Federal law says this, but the law is unconstitutional. You can't, states have, no, states don't have that power. Article 1, Section 9, they have the power over migration. A lot of people want to say, oh, Article 1, Section 8 just has the power over naturalization, but not migration. Not true. That's, that's Article 1, Section 9. Anytime after 1808, they can exercise that power, and they exercised it over time, fully beginning in 1875 and 1882, and that's it. So... If the federal government comes in there and bars people from entering and says they must be removed and they cannot be shielded or harbored, and a state says, no, we're going to shield and harbor them, we want them, we're going to bring them in. I mean, that, that's like a state saying, I mean, I mean, that's like South Carolina seceding from the Union. They cannot do that. They cannot do that. It's funny, Trump is accused of being a dictator, but he can't even be a president, like George Washington with the Whiskey Rebellion. Forget about being a king. I mean, this guy wouldn't know how to be a dictator if he, if he knew it. But that's where we are. So much going on in this country. So much danger. Can you imagine this is going on at, a, at the same time where New York is also um, abolishing bail? So all these people caught on the roads, drunk driving, that will now have access to drive, boom, let go with a citation. Even if they kill someone, vehicular manslaughter through drunk driving, they'll be released immediately. So even if ICE wanted to get them, they wouldn't have time before they're released. That's how jailbreak and sanctuaries mix together. But we have Republicans promoting this. Where is the equal and opposing force on a single issue? Where is it? Because I can't find it. By the way, I'm just looking here. More stuff going on here. Speaking of New York's jailbreak law. This is from FingerLakes.com. Sheriff Kevin Henderson says a 24-year-old Clifton Springs man at the center of a FBI investigation has been released after being charged with promoting an obscene sexual performance by a child. Christopher Cole, 24, of Clifton Springs was arrested at the conclusion of an investigation by the FBI Child Exploitation Human Trafficking Task Force, which consists of a member of the Ontario County Sheriff's Office. Henderson says the task force investigation revealed that on April 8th, Cole was a member of a private group on the chat application KIK, 
at which time he shared a nude photo of a female child between the ages of 10 and 12. Search warrant was executed at his home and multiple devices were seized. Henderson says that Cole was processed and released to appear at a later date. The sheriff said in a press release that the charge filed against Cole is not a qualifying offense to set bail. He said that with the New York's effective date on bail reform so close, prosecutors are following the procedures of the new guidelines. It doesn't apply till January 1st, but they're doing it already. So even a child sex offender is let out without having to post any bail. You look at when the left controls a state. Okay, New York, California, Maryland. They do everything they can on every fiscal, social, and security criminal issue to accomplish what they want, and then some. Including when it's downright illegal to do it, they'll do it anyway. But you look at Republicans controlling Republican states, and it's Bill Lee from Tennessee, we can't empty the jails fast enough. Refugee resettlement. And then from the federal government, nothing. States are not allowed to grant benefits to illegal aliens. You know, Harvard-Harris poll showed 72% of the country, including 76% of suburban voters, oppose granting driver's licenses to illegal aliens. How hard is it to have a budget battle on this? I guess it's pretty hard. A lot more we left on the table. This week is going to be pretty busy. But again, the big thing is, at least sign a CR. Don't relinquish the budget for an entire year until the election. At least have this as a looming deadline that if something really big breaks out on any of these aforementioned issues that the public is clamoring for, you have a budget deadline that now you could force the issue and say, this is what the public wants. We are funding border security. We're not funding sanctuary cities. We'll see what happens with that. But look at the number of issues that we can engage on, that we need a movement on. I barely scraped the surface. I'm just one person. Where's the movement? Let me leave you with this. So there's this New Jersey um, congressman from, what is it, like South Central New Jersey, um, Ocean County, New New Jersey, uh, that is supposedly going to switch from Democrat to Republican, Jeff Van Drew. And he's going to switch his party affiliation because he opposes impeachment. Kevin McCarthy, the House Republican leader, has already embraced him and says, you'll have our full backing as the Republican nominee. And Democrats are already attacking him. Everyone's championing. Everyone on our side is so happy. Look, a Democrat switched parties over impeachment. One of our New Jersey listeners, Vince, sent me this note, and it's so true. Look, I am all for converts to our cause. I am all for even a pragmatic acceptance of a half-baked Republican switcheroo in a deep blue district that we wouldn't be able to carry otherwise. But this is a red district, a light red district, but it's a red district. Trump carried it. We just narrowly lost that seat to Democrats. Democrats are, would have a hard time defending it with Trump on the ballot. That part of New Jersey has become more red as others have become more blue, thanks to immigration and other things. But the traditional kind of Catholic immigrants from the Great Wave, especially Italians that 
populate those parts of New Jersey have moved more and more to the right as the Democrats become so extreme. So you would think we'd have an opportunity to get someone with a modicum of conservatism, but instead Republicans are like, oh, yeah, let me accept it right away. This guy has an 8% liberty score. Typically, when you've had party changes, there's been a couple of issues of substance that they've dissented from their party on. This guy is pro-illegals. He's pro-every... There's not a single issue, not one, where he voted conservative on. Not one. It's just impeachment. But that's emblematic of everything. Because impeachment is all that matters. And it's not even impeachment. It's the given soap opera at any given time. Now it's impeachment. Before it was Mueller. It will be the next thing. But never on the issues. We'll embrace a rhino, a Democrat, who's a leftist on everything. As long as he's good on the soap opera issue. That's emblematic of the times we live in. That while the soap opera goes on, the left keeps winning civilization issues. Except... It's the worst mix of all because Republicans officially are in charge. So no one's activated. No one's just the opposite. The left is very activated because officially we're in charge. Meaning, imagine having possession of the ball. So you're the quarterback. You have possession of the ball. So because you have possession, you're going to elicit an an enormous blitz. They're going to blitz you. They're going to rush you. They're going to try to sack you, intercept the ball, force a fumble. And you just sit there like, you don't make any plays, or worse, you hold the ball out. It's the worst of all worlds, because they're going to come after you with the degree of intensity as if you're trying to make good plays and move the ball forward for your team, except you're not. That, my friends, is the predicament you and I are in right now with this worst mix of Republicans being in charge, but the left's finding ways in the courts and everywhere to keep winning. And again, I didn't have time to get to this. We'll talk about this more tomorrow. But the Supreme Court just denied the appeal of the city of Boise, Idaho to overturn an insane Ninth Circuit ruling saying there's an Eighth Amendment cruel and unusual punishment right for people to camp out on city streets. That is devastatingly consequential. That is a massive, massive novel right to create. And the Supreme Court allows it to stand. Often you can't read too much in the Supreme Court not taking up an appeal, but that's a very big deal to not stay that or take up the case. Which tells you that there are at least two of the five GOP appointees that are a problem on this. I'll tell you it's Roberts, and I'll tell you it's probably one of the two of Kavanaugh or Gorsuch, if not more. There's your conservative Supreme Court. Again, as we said on Friday, we have our talking point. Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, a Supreme Court. Uh! And then the left continues to win. Not just like, okay, the conservative Supreme Court won't overturn old 50-year long-standing BS rights the courts created. No, no, no. They won't stop the lower courts from creating new insane constitutional rights. We have the talking point. They have the policy victories. How much longer are you, are you and I going to let this go on? I don't know, but I'm going to continue exposing it because I just have no patience for this anymore. This is a show, the likes of which you will not hear elsewhere. This is information you will not hear elsewhere. This is a perspective you will not hear elsewhere. It's not even conservative. It's just straight up pro-American. I get a lot of emails from people that say they're not Republicans or conservatives. I'm, I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent conservative. But they say it makes sense to me. If we only had a movement that cared, 
The week is still young. This is going to be a long week. There's a lot going on. We're watching legislatively other stuff, tax bills, healthcare, lots of stuff that's going to get shoved in. Remember, the left is focused while the phony Republicans are not focused at all. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thanks for listening.